You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Awesome. Wow, church. I'm so excited to be up here this morning. We are in week two of our Stronger, Deeper series. Who enjoyed last week? Lee spoke on prayer and it was so good to just, what we're doing in this series is we are looking at the why behind the what of some of the things we do in the life of church. And this week we're going to be unpacking, we're going to be looking at worship. It's exciting. I love worship. I don't know how many of you know, but before I came up here to Audacious Church and me and Lee stepped into the leadership here, I was a worship leader. I was up on stage. I was traveling the UK, doing different things, and I loved it. It's part of my being. It's, what do they call it, woven into the fabric of who I am. I can't help but worship Jesus. And there was this one time, right, where um, I was living down in Dover, and I was approached. Someone asked me, they said to me, this was in 2015 when we were in the height of the refugee crisis um, with refugees making their way from across the world to come. Well, a lot of them were coming to Calais in France and they wanted to get across the channel to come over to Dover and find home here in the UK. And I was approached and asked, Lisandri, would you come? We're going to go do a missions trip to the Calais jungle. And I was like, that is so cool. I've got a massive heart for refugees. That is so cool. I want to be involved in this. So they were like, we want you to come, but we want you to come and we want you to do some worship for us. And I was like, count me in. I am there. I will be there in a heartbeat. So I, you know, I did what I do. I prepared. I learned my songs. I had my little guitar with me. And off we went on the ferry. We got there and um, we walk into the jungle and there's just people everywhere There's this line of refugees queuing up, trying to get their rations of food for the week. And um, JJ, my friend, he says to me, he's like, Lissandri, this is it. We're going to, this is where we're going to set up. We're going to like praise God, bring the glory and people are going to get saved and it's going to be awesome. So I get out my guitar and as I'm unpacking it, someone nearly runs off with my guitar and I'm like, oh my gosh, what a start to the day. So anyway, I get out my guitar, I start strumming, I don't know, let's say, let it rain or some cliche, great, awesome worship song that I know the presence of God would come if I sang it, right? So I start strumming this song, and then one of these guys from the camp, they just start singing Bob Marley's Don't Worry, Don't Worry About a Thing, right? They start singing this song, and I'm like, okay, I don't know these chords, so I'm there, and I'm trying to work out as I go, and I'm like, okay, so I put my guitar away, that moment draws to a close, We move on to the next moment, the next section where we're going to sit up. And I pull out my guitar again, off we go again, and I start with my little song, you know, another song that I felt the Holy Spirit was leading me into in that moment after JJ has shared. And um, again, it happened. They just wanted to sing this Bob Marley song. So after, after all of that, all of my preparation, I had to give in. And, you know, the next time we stopped, I just, I just sang that Bob Marley song over them told them not to worry because everything was going to be okay because God made a way. God can make a way. And you know, that was a time where I thought I would be worshipping and I was worshipping. But actually, it had to look a different way than what I expected. A time that my expectation wasn't met by my reality. And church, I want to say this morning, 
Now, we are always worshipping. We are always worshipping. But the question this morning I want to ask you is, who or what are you worshipping? And to unpack this, you need to look at your life. You need to look at your time. You need to look at your resources. Because let me tell you this morning, your phone is worshipping. What are you scrolling on? Your money is worshipping. What are you spending your finances on? Your time, your friendships, your relationships, those things are all worshipping. And we all focus our worship towards something or someone. And what is that for you this morning? Because many of you, I think many of us can relegate the term worship to music, to what we've just done, right? Worship, oh, that's music. That's what we do on a Sunday morning. It's that new audacious song that's just come out, or that new Bethel song, or that new um, house fire song. There's a new song that's come out. But you know what happens? If we limit worship to music, we are missing out on a massive part of our God-given heritage and what God has given us as followers of Jesus. Because worship is not a playlist. It's actually, worship is actually not even music. The Bible says that worship, it should be our life. It should be what we do with our life. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves, your bodies, as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. See, our worship is the very evidence of what we put value on in our life. And our worship should be our life. It should be what we do with our life, with everything that we have. Now, who knows here at Audacious Church, we like to party, right? We like to have a party when we praise. And who knows that you can party and not praise, but you can't praise and not party. You've got to have both of them. So let's look at Psalm 150, right? And if you feel like getting excited, go for it, okay? I'm just going to say that. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, right, church, I don't know what you see when you read this, but that, that chapter is anything but tidy. There is a lot going on. There is so much happening, so much that is being unpacked. It is messy. It is busy. It is exciting. And you know what? That's what I want to say this morning. Praise and worship, it will require all of you. It will require everything that you've got. It is not going to look pretty. It is not going to be comfortable. Sometimes it might not even sound nice, right? Lord, help us. But we have to choose to press in in those moments. It requires us to lay ourselves down. Hebrews 13 talks about our living. What does it talk about? A sacrifice of praise. That our praise is a sacrifice that we give Jesus. Now, Our service and our musical style here at Audacious, it's not everyone's flavor, but I tell you what, church, it's just our expression of worshiping Jesus. It is our expression of loving God. 
We praise the way we do because our hearts can't help and give him everything. We praise the way we do. We get excited because we can't help but give him everything. We can't help but be excited. We can't help give him extravagance. We can't help pour out our lives. We can't help but dance. We can't help but smile and clap and laugh. It's because we're giving him everything we've got. We want to be a people who are passionate, people who are fiery, people who have zeal, people who have courage to step out and give him everything we've got. Maybe for you this morning, there's a lack of connection when we talk about worship and praise because you've limited it to the musical part of our Sunday services. And maybe this morning, you, you need to get a revelation of what that looks like to live a life of worship, right? Because I think that our praise and worship should be a natural expression of what loving God looks like. It should come naturally to us. If we really love God, our praise and worship should be natural. And I want to challenge you, church. If it's not natural for you when you get here on a Sunday morning to want to praise or worship, maybe you're not praising or worshiping. Maybe it's self. Maybe you're serving self in that moment. So we're going to look at three reasons today why we worship. And the first one we're going to look at is that worship puts God first. So it can be easy for us to approach worship with a sense of entitlement of preference, right? It's really easy for me to come into worship and be like, oh my goodness, we did two new songs today. I didn't feel either of them. Although I'm going to say that worship song, I was in floods of tears. That was beautiful. Like it's really easy for us to come into a Sunday or to come, you know, playlist comes on, skip, don't like that. And that's fine, you know, preference. Playlists are a different thing. But it's not about you. Our worship, it's not about you. It's not about you. It is not about you. There are many times, church, there's many times in my life, you know, we all have journeys in life that go up and down. There have been many, many times where I have not felt like worshiping. There are some Sundays where I come in, I'm trying on my clothes. They don't fit me anymore. I feel uncomfortable. I can't jump. Sometimes I spill porridge on my belly. Like, sometimes I get to church, the band aren't sounding good, or this is going wrong, or that's going wrong, or sometimes loads of different things in life happen, and I don't feel like worshipping. Right? We all have that. Sometimes we get in, the kids have been a nightmare, or you've had a disagreement in the car, or this, or this, or this, or this. I don't feel like worshipping. We've all been there. It's easy to be there, probably every week for some people, you know. But... Let me tell you, there's one thing that I have learned over time, and it is the discipline of learning how to worship Jesus despite what you feel like. What happens if you step beyond your feelings? What happens if you step beyond your emotions and you choose to engage your heart with your spirit and you step in and you say, God, you are worthy despite how I feel? Sometimes we've got to choose to take our minds. We have to choose with our minds to, to align our minds with our hearts and worship Jesus. We have to choose to connect our hearts with our minds and say that, Jesus, you are worthy of my attention, even though everything and everything around me is going against what I am feeling right now. I'm going to choose to put you first in this moment. Because one of the mysteries of worship church is that it isn't about us, but about God. But then also, God isn't some insecure cosmic being who is sitting up there just waiting for us to worship him. 
saying, he's not saying, listen, I need you to worship before I'll come out and break through and do this, this, or this. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. It's a paradox because God doesn't actually, our worship isn't about us, it's about him. But he doesn't need our worship. We actually need it. So I'm just going to take a second. I'm going to remind you who God is, right? As if we didn't know already. He's the God of heaven and earth. He didn't exist. Oh, he did. He did exist before everything and anything. He was there first. He is the creator of all things. He is provider. He is healer. He is comforter. He is savior. He is father to the fatherless. Helper. He will he will do anything and everything that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. What are you limiting him to this morning? You know, he's so much more than that. And Job 36 verse 26 says, Behold, God is great, yet we do not know him. We know all those things about him, you know, and more than what I've just listed. But we don't know him. And when we worship, there is something supernatural that happens as we shift our spiritual eyes from ourselves and place them onto King Jesus. By doing this, we are honoring him. We are lifting him high and we are saying that, God, you are worthy. You're worthy of everything we have. We're taking that 18-inch journey from our head to our heart where we take our feelings and we put them into action. And we say, God, I don't feel like worshiping right now, but I'm going to choose to put you first. I'm going to choose to align my heart and my head with your word and choose to believe that you are true to your promises. Because church, it is our joy and it is our purpose. And it is our reason to put him first and to search him out. We worship him because he is worthy and he is wholly deserving of all our affection and attention. He is worthy of everything you've got. He is worthy of our extravagance. And that is whether you're dancing at the front here on a Sunday morning or whether you're at the back on your knees. He's worthy of your all, of your authenticity, whatever that looks like. So today I want to challenge you. Why don't you be authentic with him? Be authentic, put him first, and give him what he is due because he is worthy. The second reason we worship is because God never changes. But when we worship, we change. Now I have a story for you. Um, I was going to say a few years ago, but it's not a few years ago. It's a very long time ago when I was about 11. Um, I was in school and I had this teacher and she was lovely. She was about 19, so she probably was a TA. But she was beautiful. Everyone loved her. She was a Christian. You know, like she just ticked all the boxes. Like Miss Harris was her name. I doubt she'll ever listen to this podcast. But if you do, Miss Harris, we love you. But anyway, Miss Harris, she was beautiful, and I had reached the young, tender age where I thought to myself, it is time to pluck my eyebrows. (laughs) Every every girl's been there, right? And if you haven't, good on you, because it's actually not fashionable anymore to pluck your eyebrows. So anyway, Miss Harris, um, I I went upstairs one day, and I said to myself, it was a Saturday, and I was like, it's time for me. You guys need to stop laughing again. It's time for me to pluck my eyebrows. So I sat down in front of the mirror and I was like, I'm going to model them on Miss Harris's eyebrows. Oh, Lord, Lord, help us. So anyway, I'm sat there, I'm plucking away, do the one side, get the other side symmetrical. I was quite happy, right? Until I went downstairs and my mom looked at me and she goes, Lissandra, what have you done? What have you done to your eyebrows? 
And I was like, Mom, I've copied Miss Harris's eyebrows. And she was like, Lissandri, Miss Harris has a weird eyebrow. So Miss Harris, she, <laughs> she um, made her eyebrows really short. They were probably like half the size, <laughs> half the size of a full eyebrow. And um, I'd made them really short and stubby, basically. And I was really happy with them because she was cool and everyone loved her and, you know, great. But I had admired this girl, this lady, so much that I'd <laughs> modeled my whole appearance on her. And eyebrows is a big deal. It makes a, <laughs> it makes a massive difference to your face, right? <laughs> and we've all been there. We've all had moments where we've admired or respected something so much that we've slowly started becoming like that person or that thing. Like, Lee does it every time we go to Northern Ireland. His accent slowly morphs into something a bit more Northern Irish that I actually need a translator for. Or like my sister, when she was five or six, I think she had a crush on this guy who used to walk like, I don't know, he walked really weird. And we were, one time we just saw her walking across the room and she was doing this like weird walk. And me and my mum were like, why is she walking like that? Until about two weeks later, we saw this little boy walking the same way. And we were like, oh, they must like each other, you know. So they were walking in the same way. Or maybe you're like my brother-in-law, who um, was so keen to uh, impress my South African family that he was willing to eat anything that we did. And who knows, as a Brit, with quite a play, this, he has quite a plain appetite, or he did at the time. That was a big ask, you know. He was willing to do anything to become part of what he admired, part of what he wanted to be like. And the same is true for our worship church. Our worship actually changes us. And when we are establishing eye contact and we are beholding our maker, we are looking at him, that changes us. Now, worship is twofold. One, that it reminds us who God is, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And two, that it shows us how reliant we are on him. Because there is something about our worship that enables us to catch a glimpse of who God really is. As we align our thoughts with our words and as we're singing, we engage our hearts in a new way that allows us to change. Psalm 34 verse 5 says, those who look to him are radiant. See, our worship brings our hearts into alignment with the Father and it changes our perspective to be more like his. And I want to tell you today, church, that your worship and spending time in God's presence, it will change you. And what's beautiful about that is it changes not only us, but it, it begins to change everything and everything in our vicinity. So as you become more like your maker, as you become more like Jesus, it will change your family. It will change your friends. It will change your school, your workplace, your community, your church. It can't help but overflow. Because as we change and we become more like Jesus, the things in our vicinity have to honor and respect, come into alignment with the will of the Lord. And when I say we're being changed, I'm referring to being transformed into his likeness. So we look at him and we become more like him. And that's beautiful, right? Because we change. But the other thing that's even more beautiful is God is unchanging. So he will never change. He will stay stable. So let's choose today, church, to approach him boldly, knowing that he can change us in an instant, but that he is constant and that he will never, ever change. The third reason why we worship is because worship breaks change. 
chains, sorry. Worship breaks chains. I want to tell you today, church, that your worship is a weapon. This is one of my favorite things and one of the things I love so much. Worship is a weapon. And I really believe that as followers of Jesus, that our worship should be our most prized, our most possessed, our most cared for secret weapon. Because let me tell you, church, the enemy cannot stand your worship. He cannot stand your worship. But over here, the Holy Spirit cannot resist it. The two come hand in hand. One hand, you're singing out your praise. The enemy can't stand it. Then on the other hand, you're singing out your praise, and the Holy Spirit is like, yes, give me more. I love it. I can't, I can't help but give you my heart's desires. I can't help but pour out the Spirit of the Lord. I can't help but break every chain that comes in alignment with you because you are singing out my praises. Acts 16 verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. But suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. You see, here we see Paul and Silas sat in the middle of their circumstances, but they're actually choosing to apply the first point we spoke about. They put God first. And as they were putting God first, the second point actually started happening. They started changing. They started seeing things from God's perspective. And then what God does that only He can do, He actually changed things altogether. He broke the chains and He set them free. Because there is something significant that happens in our hearts and in the physical atmosphere when we choose to praise and worship God despite the reality of our circumstances, church. There's an atmosphere shift that takes place where our worship touches God's heart and it can't help but change things in the physical atmosphere. He can't help but pour out blessing. He can't help but set things free. He can't help but meet you where you're at. He can't help but bring healing. He can't help but shift mental illness. He can't help but bring financial breakthrough. He cannot help it because you're adoring Him and He's adoring you and there's a divine transaction that takes place in that moment. But church, we don't praise to get free. Who knows that? We don't praise to get free. Our praise shouldn't be dependent on the chains breaking. No. Our praise is based on the reality of the goodness of God. And even despite those circumstances, we know that He is good. We know that He is worthy. We know that He is deserving. The breakthrough we experience is simply a byproduct. You see, um, at the start of last year, I shared in my preach, I shared, I think it was a preach on lamentation. I shared a story of when my dad passed away. Um, and, you know, after my dad had died that night, it happened around 6 p.m. There were people everywhere. There was lots going on. And I just thought to myself, I need to pick up my guitar right now. I didn't have a song. I didn't have anything to give God. Nothing. But I knew that my song would change my perspective. <laughs> I knew that my song would shift my perspective and bring my heart into the alignment with God. I knew that my heart would shift and that, that I would be able to see what God was doing. Just praise and worship. 
worship is not for us, church. We don't praise for the God who opens, who opens the, the doors of the gates. We praise Him because He's worthy, and then He does that a result. But church, let me tell you that He's sitting with you even in those difficult moments. He is right there beside you. As you press into Him, He is sitting with you and He is making Himself known. And as you choose to activate your praise, as you choose to activate your worship, despite your circumstances, despite your feelings, He will come and be with you and He will make Himself known. You know, we touched on our outward expression of, of praise and worship at the start of the message. Maybe you, you feel like, maybe you feel like, oh, you can grab a seat, otherwise you'll be standing for a long time. <laughs> maybe you feel like um, it's the younger generation, it's the kids, it's the youths who are up here at the front praising, leading, leading by example. But I want to challenge that church. We're all called to be worshippers. We're all called to be lovers of God. You are called to be here, leading at the front, giving Him your all. You are called to give Him everything you've got, to surrender yourself. Why is it only youth up here on Sundays? Sorry, I'm really like... I really think the longer we have known and experienced God, the more revelation we should have to be able to worship Him with our everything. The more we should have to sing about, right? So if you have known God for 15, 20, 30 years plus, why the heck are you not down here giving Him everything you've got? Why have we got people who have only known Him six months giving Him more? Listen, you don't need to be up here. Like, it's not about that. You can do the same thing at the back, but give Him everything. I just beg you, give Him what He's worthy of, because if you don't, one day you're going to get to heaven, and you always you could have given Him more. I have so many tears, I can't even see my notes. <laughs> see, John chapter 4 says that the hour is coming here where the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. How do we worship in spirit and in truth, church? Does your worship reflect your relationship with Him? Does it? Does how you praise Him on a Sunday or in the week or amongst your colleagues, amongst your family? Does how you speak of the Lord reflect your relationship and His faithfulness in your life? Does it? As we know, He comes in a whisper. He comes in those big praise moments at the start of the service where we do all the flashy lights and the cool things for the cool kids. He comes in those moments and we love it. He comes with the earthquake and the fire and all that. But you know, there's a bit from the Bible where... It actually says that he came in a gentle whisper. All those things happened, but then he wasn't in them. He was actually in the gentle whisper. And you know what's cool about a whisper is? 
audacious podcast for any more information visit us online audaciouschurch.com we'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses manchester chester or online every sunday 10 a.m and 12 p.m 